Who's on the line? Hey, it's Joseph Kahn. Is this really Joseph Kahn? This is Joseph Kahn. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for calling in. We're doing a uh, call. I called. <laughs> wow, this is so cool. <laughs> Holy sorry, shit. We thought people were... We sorry, were, we're used to people uh, duping us and uh, mocking us. <laughs> what's up? You wanted to talk. Let's talk. Well, we just want to thank you for calling in. We're doing a streamathon right now. Uh, we're what? How many hours? We're, we're about four hours into our 30-hour stream. So we really appreciate you taking the time out. We saw you were making a Korean snack. What kind of what snack was that that you were creating? It is uh, just rice. It's just. <laughs> I just glanced at it. I'm sorry. I guess that was yeah, the Jimmy, joke. It's this Korean uh, it's, uh, delicacy. It's called rice. I'm sorry. I was. We're in the middle of broadcasting. I just checked to see if you tweeted recently. I guess that was the joke. I completely missed. Uh, <laughs> So let's start out with a question we ask everybody. Who are you beefing with right now? Who am I beefing with? Uh, I'm not beefing with anybody. I'm just, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't have any enemies. I really don't. But are I, I you? I think I do. I mean, you're kind of like a bad boy indie filmmaker. Yeah. Although, I mean, also like an amazing music video director. But it seems like, you know, you don't pull no punches uh, with, with when it comes to like the Hollywood you know, not calling people out, but does that just work in your favor where you don't have any enemies by doing that? Uh, man, I don't really know what the, you know, Hollywood thinks of me, to be honest with you, because I'm not really part of that system. I just yeah. do my thing, you know? And, um, so, I mean, maybe that's why I'm not directing Marvel movies or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm in a weird situation because I think a lot of people, when they go into that particular system, they're, they have to obey the rules because it's how they make their money, you know? And if you piss off the wrong people, which that town, definitely, you can do that and you can be instantly out of the business. And I'm kind of dealing with that right now, not on me, but with someone else that I know. And um, if you're kind of like in that system, then you have to play by the rules or you will get completely screwed out of it. But I have something that, um, that they don't, uh, they can't control. Like I have money, you know? Yeah. So, um, so because I make so much money doing, you know, commercials and music videos, I don't really need Hollywood, you know? Um, so I don't have to beg them for work. If they don't want to give me work, then I just don't work. I'll just do my own thing. So, so you're not beefing with anyone, really but people are beefing with you. I have no idea if they're beefing with me. I don't really care. Nice. <laughs> I'm that, doing my own thing. And that's the way they do it. Well, because also from an outsider's perspective, so is it that separate? Because I was actually going to ask that. For people that don't know, if you're in the chat, Joseph Kahn, he's, he's, uh, he's, he made the movies Bodied, Detention, of course, the classic Torque, which I don't know why Torque is in, in the Fast and Furious era right now with the multiple sequels. Yeah. But so is it that separate where you could make, because I mean, you're a pretty prolific music video director, that doesn't really interfere where like someone looks at your film and like, Oh, this is a little too controversial. I don't want you making my video. No, not at all. Because I think, uh, the record industry and the film business are com two completely different ecosystems. Mm. They're so completely separate, you know? Uh, and when I hopped over into the studio world, I was actually quite shocked because the people that I'm used to dealing with, the executives are actually quite cool. You know, like if you're a record company executive, yeah, you're kind of douchey at times, I guess, you know, and some of those things that you see on, um, all those rock biopics, it's true. These guys party, they do drugs, you know, they have orgies, whatever the hell's going on. I've seen it all, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you worked with Blink-182. <laughs> But then when you hop over into the studio world, those people are really square. They really are. They're not cool in any way whatsoever. <laughs> they, they, they come from business school. 
they, they have MBAs. Like people in the record business don't think that way, you know? And these guys are super conservative. It, it's a completely different world. And they play these weird corporate games where they don't tell you the truth. And people say in the record business they don't tell you the truth. Well, what they, they lie to you in the record business is the amount of enthusiasm they may have for, like, your song. You know, they may, they may over-exaggerate how awesome a song is, and they do that sort of head dance that we all do when we listen to a song a little <laughs> bit too much. Um, but the stuff that happens in the film side, uh, it's, it's this weird sort of intellectual one gamesmanship of trying to justify your thoughts on plot or characters or whatever. And, and, and they don't, they, they, they sort of speak like human beings. You think it is, but what you realize is that they're really trying to find consensus and they're like one organism and they're trying to find which organism they are at any particular point in order to bully you into doing whatever the hell the organism wants. And they're just trying to identify what that organism is. And, and that seems to be the main preoccupation with a lot of the film side of it. Whereas on the music side of it, just seems to be a little bit more gut instinct and and kind of like anything goes. So um, no, they're two completely different like things. And so if you fail at the film side, you can still have a record career, like one hundred percent. It has nothing to do with each other. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's awesome to hear. Now, you're you kind of don't have much fear on social media that I feel like other people do, or other people, I guess, in the industry. Is it kind of an extension of that, like? I mean, sometimes you might get some shit from like Taylor Swift fans or stuff uh, or something like that from some of the things you tweet. Is that ever a thought of like, quote, being canceled or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, of course I could get canceled and anybody can get canceled. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it is a it is a very dangerous thing out there and it's getting frankly worse. And I made a movie about it called Bodied. Of course, um, we love it. Mm-hmm. And. And I, yeah, thank you. And I, I feel that I have become more reserved in terms of even how I sort of interact with Twitter. Um, I, it's like, uh, it's interesting. Like, I don't think I'm actually telling a lot of the truth on Twitter these days anyways, because what, why bother, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you fooled so, us with your think, snack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You tricked us. Well, I mean, I, 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 my, my level of untruth is still more truthful than everybody else, quite frankly, you know, <laughs> but w- what am I really thinking? Sometimes I'm writing more in code these days, you know, and I think smart people will know that I'm writing in code and they know what I'm talking about, but I, I have to write in a way that I go past the sort of angry teenagers that keep fucking trying to cancel me, you know? Yeah. And kind of like what you're saying. So even like the, to you, the reserved version it's still edgy kind of in this climate. So like even that people kind of are like, Ooh, that's, that's a little close. Uh, so, you know, does that ever come up or like, I guess since you've been making videos for so long, your art, people already know you well enough. So it's, does the, do things like that ever get in the way? Like, like you said, it is its own ecosystem, but do you ever like push the edge with that or people just know you and it's just kind of like, Oh no, that's Joseph. We, we trust him. He's got a vision. Let's go for it. I think that I have to be respectful on a certain level to my clients. You know, like if I'm doing um, commercials for major corporations and big artists, I can't necessarily be the wild child that sort of uh, draws a lot of terrible attention to them. You know, Um, it's not my business at this point. Um, Like I'm, I'm there to sort of sell a lot of records or sell a lot of product, you know? So uh, if I'm going in there and just fucking up the works, uh, and drawing really terrible attention to them, it's kind of a negative. But at the same time, um, I, I, 
I, I can't like just walk a tightrope all the time. Uh, it, it's, I don't have the answers guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just sort of playing it by ear. And, and, uh, right now I'm saying whatever I generally want to say. Um, but, uh, I'm being a little smarter in terms of, um, not getting myself fired off, uh, you know, a giant $3 million commercial or something. You know? <laughs> well, you mentioned like Marvel movies or something like that. Like, is that still something from your perspective that you would go for, or do you even not see yourself in that realm? You just like kind of being able to make your own things. You know, um, three years ago, I would have, without hesitation, go, yeah, absolutely, I do a Marvel movie. You know, um, um, I would have the biggest conflict I had was trying to figure out like how could I keep my voice as a filmmaker and um, and execute you know my stuff under that system. And I felt like you know there's a version of of me that can do that because I do commercials and I'm not necessarily like doing personal statements when I do these commercials. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, every shot I do is being filtered through agency and clients and test marketing and literally like, you know, uh, you do 13 shots in a commercial, every third, every shot of those 13 shots has been completely filtered through a system, you know? Yeah. Um, so I know how to work within that particular system, but the thing about a commercial is that I'm only on it for two weeks when I'm shooting, you know, like a Marvel movie, you're on it for two years. So, um, like what, 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 what do you feel like as an artist at the end of two years, what, what growth have you done? And quite frankly, has it impacted you in a way that did you waste two years of development of your time and, and suddenly not become a better filmmaker at the end of it, you know? And, you know, cause like, I remember like going to film school and I could have taken the whole four years, but I realized that the four years could have been done in, in like literally a couple months. And that's what I did. I, I did a couple months, took every course I could and then dropped out. I didn't need to wait four years to learn the lessons of film school. And so do I really need two years to learn the lessons of a studio movie? And that's what's more important to me about about like my growth as a filmmaker. Am I accelerating at the speed that I want to? And um, am I learning things? And you know, uh, if I take two years, two years is a significant amount of time, guys. It's a, yeah. it's a fifth yeah. of a decade. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and if you waste too many years, before you know it, you, you're you're old, and you look back and you go, "What did I do with my life?" And so I'm always highly conscious of that. So so that was my perspective of, in terms of the conflict I had three years ago. Now. The difference now is that I have a two-year-old girl that I, you know, a baby that I love and a family that I love, you know, and the entire idea of taking two years away from her um, and not getting to see her turn into a four-year-old or a five-year-old or six-year-old um, for something that I'm not that passionate about and damaging her life, that is now a new part of the um, equation that never existed before, you know? Mm. So I'm now hesitant in terms of taking big chunks of my time away from my daughter. Um, and I know JJ felt that way about on star Wars. That's the reason why he wanted to turn down star Wars. And as a, as a single man, I didn't understand how that can happen. But now as a married man with a family, I completely get it. You know, like there's other things that, uh, that take priority over that stuff. So I'm in a beautiful situation right now where I can hop onto music videos and commercials and whatever I want to do. And I can still see my daughter. If I do a giant movie, you know, it's all the same sort of uh, like, you know, uh, existential ideas in terms of like growth that, that are still there. And on top of it, uh, I'm taking time away from the one thing that matters to me. Oh, absolutely. And so in that same respect, then, because like, you know, you mentioned that you have money and you've put your money where your mouth is when you've made your own films uh, like out of the system. So does that 
take away from the idea of like gambling like that, of, of like putting, putting all in, in a project or, you know, are we still going to be a few years away from another Joseph Kahn project or it just kind of depends on how, how things go. Well, guess what guys? I only do like one film a decade anyway. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, are we another eight years away still? Or, or what, what are we talking? Wait till your daughter's 10 and you don't care about the 10 to 12 <laughs> period. It's like, that's when you go make the a movie. Tweens. Well, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, having a, having a family now definitely puts more of a squeeze in terms of what I do with my money. Um, I, I, I don't want to gamble my money to the point where I can't send my kid to college. You know? yeah. So um, there's that. I, you know, I wish there was a, a way for me to make these things without having to put my, mo- uh, my own money into it, but also have all the control at the same time. And that is a hard thing to do. The reason why I even have control to be able to do something like detention and body and Power Rangers because it's, it's money that I'm putting up now, not necessarily money. I have a lot of times I'm borrowing it against, you know, personal loans and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, and other investors coming in and I owe them the, that particular money. But, but, the, but the, the, the benefit of it is that I can do whatever I want and no one can tell me anything, you know? And so I don't, you know, there's an interesting thing where I don't think that the world quite understands what those movies are um, in that they are completely uninhibited. Like detention and bodied are exactly what I want to make. There is no compromise whatsoever. Um, there is no situation in the world where most figures can just do whatever they want, and that's it, and that's the final product. And also, and let's be honest, I have a skill set that is beyond most filmmakers. I know this, you know. Uh, that's why people pay me a lot of money to do these commercials and music videos because I know how to shoot things and, and make things look better than anybody else. And instead of doing that and giving it to a Marvel movie or some studio thing, I've decided to take my own money and do it for myself, you know? And so it's not a matter of like, oh, he just made, you know, one of, one of those crappy independent movies that are kind of like half-assed. No, they're, they're super polished, super yeah. professional. They have a vision, um, and they're executed by one of the top technicians in, in the world, me, you know? <laughs> and, and I don't think people quite understand what those movies are, uh, that they're super risky, they're super insane and no one else can do them but me. Um, and you know, if I die right now, uh, and, um, and all I've made was detention bodied, um, and even my short power Rangers and stuff like that, I, I feel like I'm already in the history books. It, it, people don't know that yet. Maybe after, you know, I die, they'll figure that out, but I know what I did, you know? So, you know, if I ever do another movie, it's, it's gotta be a for a reason, you know, it's gotta be for a reason. Otherwise I'm wasting my time, money and, um, and my family's time. Absolutely. Well, it, yeah, because there's a breakdown of, I believe, like the first 10 minutes of Bodied where you do a commentary. And like if, if people in the chat or whatever haven't seen that, I, I highly uh, recommend it because, yeah, you you explain it all out, all the thought and the way the shots were put together. And even to the extent of like, it's not like you had a lot of coverage because you knew exactly what you wanted. And as you said, you don't have someone kind of over your shoulder, you know, with their own recommendations or trying to give their own input but does that ever get daunting or you know do you ever feel like oh maybe i do need another eye on this or are you just kind of that confident you know, like a superman going through and uh just like executing no I, I feel super confident i i feel like i think about um my craft more than anybody else you know like i, I put so much time every day thinking about how to improve my craft what the craft is how a shot works how I make a shot better, what a dolly is, what a camera is, what, what subjectivity is, you know, all these little sort of nuances. And, and I know when, when I have material that is personal and I've absorbed it and it's coming out from a true place, 
it always comes out great, you know? Um, and that, that's true for music videos as well. Like that's why I feel like my music videos are better than my commercials. My commercials are definitely better than, um, my, my TV shows and stuff like that. It's funny. Like a lot of commercials I do, I don't think are that good because they are filtered that process and it becomes more academic for me. I'm, I'm thinking more intellectually and, and, and making it a mosaic that other people can like smash and put together how they want, you know? And, and when I do like the personal projects, um, and the, everything locks in exactly as I want, they all, it, it, it just, it's like literally just taking what's in your head and heart and putting it out. And that's true art. Um, I have seen, for instance, um, myself do television shows and I've done that as an experiment. I did like two episodes of sweet fishes. I did crazy ex-girlfriend episode. I did, uh, something for my friend, uh, uh, Brian Taylor, uh, for happy. I did an episode of that, you know, Wait, which episode of crazy ex-girlfriend did you do? Uh, I did uh, season three, episode four, where she uh, she goes crazy and she starts stalking her boyfriend. And oh man, I didn't and, uh, even know you were involved in that. That rules. Yeah, thanks. Um, but I, you know, even I think there's good stuff in there. But when I watch all those TV shows, I'm karaokeing. You know, I'm I'm pretending to direct for other people. You know, and I try to engage as much as I can. But because there's always this sort of pressure to hit the schedule and, and not block the actors a certain way and not infringe upon the show's visual style and not, you know, rock the boat too much. I restrain myself and I'm finding pockets and in individual scenes and shots to sort of flourish and do things. But as a collective whole, it, it doesn't feel like me and therefore it doesn't feel in totality like I did anything, you know? <clears throat> and that's a very disappointing feeling every time I do one of those things. Like, uh, I, I don't feel like I've actually done my best work. Um, the beautiful thing about those particular projects, though, is that I did take things out of it. I learned how to work with other people, and I, I learned what TV shows are like, and it's all a fascinating thing, and learned how to use other people's writing and stuff. Uh, but ultimately, on a deep, intrinsic level, it's so unfulfilling, and it doesn't feel like I'm actually directing, you know? Yeah, because like you said, and it's so, more like a showrunner or, or basically matching up with the rest of a series rather than bringing in like your own vision. Absolutely. So, you know, that, that sucks. But, you know, I will tell you that I have written uh, a lot of scripts in the meantime. Uh, for every script that every movie I make, there's like like 10 other scripts that I've written, you know, <laughs> just for fun. Um, so, and some of these would blow your mind if I actually made them. Um, but they're fucking impossible to make. You gotta, you gotta yeah. make them. We're daring we're you to make one right now, bro. <laughs> we're waiting for him. Now, are, were our tweets annoying? I mean, I guess you called in, so it wasn't too bad, huh? No, it's cool. It's cool. I, I, it's like it's like uh, I'm waiting for my rice cookie to cook. So I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'll talk to you guys about that thing because I'm gonna get that rice cookie. Then I'm gonna watch the Untouchables. That was my plan tonight. Oh so, hell yeah! So how much time we got on the rice cookie? How much time we got left? I don't know. My, my alarm will beep probably okay. in like you know, 10, 15 minutes. Or like All right, that. cool. Uh, here's another question that we ask everybody. And uh, <laughs> the chat's asking for it. So now when it comes to porno, do you prefer like gonzo, like scene, 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 or do you want like a storyline? Oh, God. Uh, so I'm a married man now <laughs> with a family. So yeah, I, I, sex is not porn. important to me anymore. <laughs> but uh, I will tell you, when before I gave up, sex and, and all that stuff, you know, <laughs> um, it, got, it got to a point actually, you know, as a younger man, you just care about the scene and the whiz bang of it all. Right. The close up and yeah. the, and the particular act. Right. And then as you get older, uh, uh, what I found is that 
uh, it's interesting. Uh, never in the condition of human beings has the has the male species been able to have access to as many <laughs> like sort of sexual acts to visually watch. It's not natural, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. It, it and it fucks up dudes. And I feel that's why the birth rate is so low. That's why I feel like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that you know the the interrelationships of people are just completely off. They're just like guys now are just getting satiated and 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 uh, and on a weird level, it it's completely demolished society. I I really feel that you know they're not into Gonzo. Um, they don't want to just have sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I agree. And never mind, just someone who's in their twenties or thirties, just kids growing up that have always had it. Just the the norm. It's what they're used to. Just at the click of a button. I, I actually had this conversation with another friend of mine. Um, I actually think whatever the hell porn has done, it's actually made the modern female not as attractive to me uh, than, like, say, the girls from the 80s. I feel like the girls from the 80s, maybe it's because that's the time at which I became interested in sex and stuff like that, you yeah. know, growing up in puberty and stuff like that. So I actually liked uh, vintage porn. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> nice. dude. I like it. Let's go. Yeah, it's got that nostalgia factor because it's, it's got, got that, that film grain. Yeah, on. exactly. It's like rewatching Jurassic Park or Hook or something, but it's porn. <laughs> yeah, it's I, got- don't, I, I don't like the, the late 80s stuff, uh, which I should be more interested in because that's when I was like full on teenager because yeah. they, they, they switched to video and, and uh, it just felt like a little too immediate. But that, that era in the early 80s that, where it was like shot and lit and on film and uh there's a kind of like a uh, there's a distance to it because it's like kind of soft looking you know yeah and 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 it's scored to music you know <laughs> and uh and they're actually trying to act and pretend they're into each other and their stories and uh, like that and also there's hair you know like yeah, <laughs> yeah. like with magical I mean, hair like and it was actually line, natural bro. it was like growing out of assholes and shit like that you know <laughs> it's like uh like that to me was exciting, you know, and, and, and if I were into porn, that's what I'd be into. All this other stuff now is fairly interest, uninteresting to me. And so that's definitely storyline then. Like yeah. that era is the era of a story. I mean, oh, there's yeah. still storyline. If you line. were to ever watch. Yeah, if, if, if it were the case. What a thoughtful breakdown of pornography. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, it's a great answer. That's why we have <laughs> such a good question. <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, you, you tweet about crypto a lot. Is that, are you going to roll out an NFT? Could that be the idea to get the financing for the next film? I don't know. I was thinking about like, should I try to do the NFT thing? No. But, uh, <laughs> like know, a rice don't do it. <laughs> I, I don't understand uh, NFT still to this point. Like uh, mm. no matter what argument anybody has, I still don't see why something is worth $69 million or something you can get for free, you know? Yeah. In and a closed ecosystem, like, I think yeah. they make sense. But in an open ecosystem, I think they stop me. Like, if you're a video game and you're doing something or you're a weird app, like fake trading cards, like, there's a world where you can picture, like, like, like digital card games are essentially a weird version of NFTs in a lot of ways. But the second you open the ecosystem to just, like, a world where someone can click like a meme. and get the thing, then it, that's when it stops making any sense and I just don't understand what, what people are doing. Well, look, here's, I'll give you a little background in terms of finances for me. Okay. Um, like, like I'm Asian. Okay. So I, <laughs> you know, I'm an immigrant that came to America. Uh, my mom's a waitress. My dad's a mailman. 
you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So the entire idea of money was always interesting to me. I'll be completely honest with you, you know, because I didn't have it as a kid. And I, I always thought as a kid, wouldn't it be great to have a million dollars one day? And that was my goal as, as like, you know, from eight-year-old Joseph. I want to, because I had heard it from my parents. Asians, by the way, are fucking greedy. That's what we are. You know? like, <laughs> we, don't, we don't come to and, and start studying to be a doctor just to save people. No, we, we, we study to be a doctor so we can make a lot of money. That's the whole point of being a doctor or a lawyer or any of that stuff, you know? Like, you know, if one thing Asians know about America is it's the easiest country in the world to succeed in. Cause you know what, you know what it's all it takes to become, you know, a hundred thousand air here in America. Do you know all it takes? You know what? all you have to do? What? And make an A, give me a fucking break. Well, you come here, make an A, <laughs> yeah. you're going to get into college and then you're going to get a good job. And, and maybe you're not going to make a million dollars right off the bat, but you'll get enough that you'll blow away whatever your parents were making, you know? So no, like the, 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 the sort of part of me that's Asian that says, go make money has always been there, you know? And, um, and so before I even started filmmaking, um, you know, it was this calculation about, will filmmaking make me rich? You know, cause if it wasn't, I was not going to do it. You know? uh, I, I don't, I don't come from that sort of Western perspective of just do it and then fulfill yourself and, and, and be poor. Uh, fuck that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> not. It was not the way I was going to do it. So, you know, that's why I made an actual calculation to go into music videos because having no connections in the business, uh, no, no one, like literally nobody I knew, music videos were the cheapest way to get into the business. And it seemed like uh, an actual business I could start. And that's how I started. I started making a business out of music videos and I climbed my way up from like literally $40 videos to $100 videos to $2,000 videos to $100,000 videos to million and $5 million videos. I mean, it was a, it was a business decision to do it that way. It was a business decision to stay in commercials. It was a business decision on every other level. And then after I did Torque, was was my studio uh, uh, version of uh, of going into it, and and I really realized that was a losing battle. You know, like when I went into Torque, you know, I was a kid, and I was a kid at that point, making a shit ton of money, and then they paid me so little money for two years worth of work. Like literally, I went into it fairly wealthy. I'm telling you, by the time I finished Torque, I had three hundred dollars in my in my bank account. Um, I, I was about to lose everything, you know, and. The movie bombed, and at the end of it, I was like dead broke and scrambling to try to pay my bills. You know, and I said I can't ever do that again. It's just like, it's it's ridiculous. And the and here's the dirty secret in Hollywood: the vast majority of filmmakers, even the successful ones, are broke. You know, they don't pay directors that much. They pay movie stars a lot. Um, they pay maybe showrunners, I guess, these days. But those day-to-day directors that do movies, imagine if you're a hit director, right? Like if you're a hit director, you've made maybe two, three hit movies in a row, right? Mm-hmm. And your first movie, you didn't get paid much. Your second movie made a million dollars maybe. And your third movie, maybe you get something out of it, you know? But then that means you had a decade of being the top director in Hollywood. And then the next decade, most likely you're not going to have that career anymore, you know? Yeah. So the vast majority of directors are not, don't even get to that level. They, they end up in TV and TV pays like shit for directors. It's absolutely fucking horrible. Um, so the vast majority of directors don't make that much money. So it's always been a calculation for me in terms of how to manage my finances in order to be as artistic as I can. You know, I purposefully went in to, to make a lot of money at my business. So then I could take the money and do be as artistic as I want when I choose to be, you know, I don't have to be the artist on every single job. Some jobs are paydays. Some jobs are exchanges. 
but uh, and I, you know, I'm 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 flexible to be as artistic as you want me to be, or non-artistic, or provide the service or whatever, as passionate as you want to be. But ultimately, it's an exchange, and then I've done it in a way where then I can just take the money that I make, and then every once in a while, once a decade, I put into something I truly 100% like like am passionate about, and that's the way I sort of justify it and and have designed my career. Well, I think that's great because it's like you have like they tell a lot of filmmakers say if you want to be a filmmaker you can't have a fallback you got to go all in and it's like you kind of had a fallback but your fallback was still filmmaking in a lot of ways or it was like you were still in the business so it's not like you're like you know hey if this accounting doesn't work out you know if this filming doesn't work out i'm like always be an accountant or whatever so i think that's a very smart like angle to come at it with well well the second part of it has been that the money that i did make i invested you know, yeah. um, the, the, the worst investments ever made were in the movies themselves. Those were the passion plays. But whenever I did have the money, starting from a very early age, I always invested in stocks and uh, properties and all that stuff. And now crypto and all that. And I do feel that you have to see yourself as a director as running a business because you literally do incorporate as an S corporation for tax purposes. And you have to take all the money that you have as an asset class, as an investment class. And you have to figure out how to like pump up that money, and then that money becomes power. You know, um, mm. if you don't have the money, then you are a bitch. You are literally going to do whatever anyone else says because you—it's uh, a drug that that they feed you, and they know they can control you with it. So, uh, learning how to do stocks and investments and crypto and real estate and all that stuff—that is literally the most important thing I think sometimes a director can do in order to retain um, independence. Hmm. If I take anything away from this conversation, it's that Joseph Kahn is smarter than like anyone in the world. It's kind of insane. <laughs> That's great. Now, have you ever caught yourself being like too Hollywood and you're like, whoa, slow down, Joseph. You're being a Hollywood douche. Or would you just bask in like, yes, I've made it. I'm a Hollywood douche. You know, I've never really, you know, it's the funniest thing. When Twerk came out, people always accused me of being this Hollywood douchebaggy music video director. And I made this like douchey Hollywood like whatever, like fast and furious one, but I was literally, I, I really was just making fun of the whole thing, you know? Um, uh, like, like, and well, I, what's, I, what's great about I, that is, sorry. uh, sorry to cut you off. I was, cause I was going to say on torque, I did see it in the theaters and I did laugh at it the whole way through, but I didn't realize till later I was laughing with you. Like I did think I was laughing at the movie and then I realized like, Oh shit. No, of course he was in on it. It so seems that's obvious. Awesome. Yeah. It's kind of weird that, that that was, I mean, maybe it's marketing or whatever, but it yeah. seems obvious to yeah. me if you watch it, that that's what's happening. Yeah. I get, I was younger at the time. What can you, what can I say? But I'm sorry. Continue. No, sometimes you don't really know what you're doing when you're doing something, you know? Um, and I, torque was made by a much younger version of myself. And, uh, and quite frankly, a much angrier version uh, of myself. And you have to understand, the person that made Torque was an extremely pissed off dude, you know? And I was pissed off that people were telling me what to do on it. Like, I had just come from music videos where I was God and I could do anything I want. And then all of a sudden, I walk on set and they're literally faxing me new pages every day uh, and telling me to direct this. And I hated the lines. I hated, uh, like, you know, the story. I hated everything I was working with. I hated the producer who kept lying to me, you know? Yeah. So for me, like when I went into it, I came with the attitude of fuck you. I'm going to make you the fuck you film. You know, <laughs> I'm going to take everything and squeeze it to the maximum. I'm not taking the shit they say seriously. I'm poking fun at it. Um, and so it wasn't that it was consciously made as, uh, as like this beautiful parody. It was the director came in there with a bad attitude and took every scene and 
twisted it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, and then people and, are and, like, and, you sold out, you made all this money. You're like, no, it, it ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, for instance, like one of my favorite jokes in it is the product placement stuff, you know? Yeah. Like there's, there's so much Pepsi in there. And it had nothing to do with the studio. Studio didn't care about Pepsi. Then Pepsi didn't care. Like all it is, I, I tried to find one product, and I just kept repeating it over and over. And I don't know why I did it. And I thought it was funny. You know? And I just kept putting Pepsi in every fucking scene. And then at the end, I have this thing where I actually wanted to, the the final battle between. Um, there's the Mountain Dew sign. It was originally I wanted Pepsi and Coke, you know, like uh, between each other, but it, it was all Pepsi products, so they they forced me to use uh, Mountain Dew. So it's fine, whatever. But um, it was, it was it was less uh, intellectual in terms of what I was doing, but it was like this sort of you like this sound, I'm going to give it to you more and more until it becomes fucking annoying, you know. So I was just repeating this visual thing as kind of a fuck you. Oh, that's great. That's now, are good. you are you in Los Angeles? Are you in California? No, I moved out. And that's what I, gonna, I was going to ask if you were going to flee like everyone's fleeing. So I guess that's the answer. You you've already kind of head out, huh? Uh, well, uh, you remember that whole speech I just made about, uh, understanding your finances yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and doing it when COVID happened, you know, uh, I immediately had the second part, the CEO of Joseph Kahn enterprises looked at the year ahead, you know, um, uh, you know, and I, that I'd made some really good stock moves, you know, immediately started buying a shit ton of Tesla stock when I was dropping. Um, uh, you know, I, I looked at different things and then I realized at a certain point with, uh, you know, I, I had a few things that I had to try to figure out, but once the Democrats came in and they were going to take over, um, and, and it was clear that Trump was going to lose and the Democrats come in, I didn't know completely, but as soon as the Democrats won, I fucking fled LA. <laughs> not that I hate the Democrats, not that I love Republicans, not any of that shit, but just on a pure practical level, taxes are going up, oh, you know, yeah. and in LA, if you know anything about the way taxes work in LA, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal, you know? So, um, and like, as, as it came out today, you know, when they talk about like, um, you know, Biden is going to raise capital gains taxes to like, you know, 43 to 48%, you know, yeah. and that's before the 30 uh, raising uh, federal income tax to like 39%. You add those two numbers together. <laughs> it's like 90%. Dude. Yeah. So there's no way I'm going to be able to make money. Uh, and when they talk about, you know, only rich people, well, I'm that person. I, I'm sorry. I'm being honest with you, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's no way for me to make money at 90% taxes. So uh, it's like, it was a matter of survival to move out and in order to continue to do what I'm doing, you know? So, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I don't think you're going to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, what's, uh, what's the cat embodied? What What is the cat to you? What is the cat to me? Um, uh, I actually don't know what you're talking about because I've never seen this cat in the two songs. Oh, you haven't seen the cat in the movie that pops up sometimes? Nope. Never. Dude, you should watch this You should movie. watch Body. Oh, Body's yeah. really good. Have he's you a, not seen it? He's always drinking a Pepsi. <laughs> Dude, it's great. There's a scene where the cat's in, in the stall and then it kind of isn't there. Or it, it like appears there. But I was just wondering. I, I, I figured I, you weren't, you weren't going to answer it, but I, I had well, to Well, he ask. hasn't seen it. Yeah, if you end up familiar. seeing the movie, can you like hit us back up and let us know what you think? Yeah. All right, dude. Guys, I think okay. I got, I'm burning my rice cooking Okay. Now. No. Uh, one, last thing, as you're heading out, just give uh, go ahead and just give a message to all your haters. I don't have haters. I love everybody. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's a I think it's a weird thing that anybody would even take the energy to um, 
to hate on me because I'm so lovable. You know? like, I agree. Uh, it's true. Like, you proved it today. We, yeah. re- we really appreciate you uh, calling and spending some time with us. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. It's very cool and uh, great insight. Great interview. Thanks, man. Guys. All right. Have a good one. Later. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. That was awesome. Best dude. That was fucking cool. That was great. How long was he on for? He was on for a while, yeah. right? Yeah.